Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 52 of the Questions Podcast, where we are just smart enough to be dangerous, full of spiritual minty freshness and... And... Cold-blooded love. Oh, there's Mark. I was wondering Sorry, where you were. You're off just, I was, well, no, I was getting a very important text just oh, as this came in, or a phone call. Text. I was shutting my phone you, off. You are an important guy, so well, no wonder you're getting an important text that's message. That's muy importante for our Spanish-speaking friends. I had someone ask me on Sunday uh, if we had tried the Impossible Burger yet. That was on Sunday. And you did your medical research, scientific stuff? We did not try the Impossible Burger as of Sunday. However, yes, went to Burger King, went through the drive-thru today. And brought home two impossible whoppers. Mark, what say you? Um. So, um, first of all, I think it is an assault on my naturally patriotic carnivore feelings. So it's American. Pat- it's it's a, American it's, it's to an eat. Un-American. It is wrong. Beef burgers are American. You heard it here. Yeah, there you go. According America. to Mark Childers. Yeah. No, my, my naturally patriotic fluids are, are having a problem right now. We cleaned our palate with some uh, ceviche. Yes, exactly. Some, some Missy Childers made ceviche, uh, which was very good. Yeah. That, and that's the part of the problem is I really yeah. don't feel like I gave the... The, the impossible I'm impossi- not going to call it a burger. We'll call it the impossible burger. Is, uh, yeah, you call it... I'm not well, saying... Well, if we say impossible burger, you can say imposter burger. Imposter burger, yeah. Imposter burger. Anyway, the fake burger. Yeah. And so it looked like burger. Okay, it looked like it a had burger. Had the consistency and feel in the mouth of. of burger. Oh no, no no let's let's be exact here. I don't know. If it you had gave the it consistency enough in it the mouth like a burger. of a bad burger. It tasted like a burger. Okay, well I, I have to say it did. Okay, like it tasted like a fast food and and listen, Burger King burger. I know beef hamburger very well because I've basically lived on it for the last year and a half. Yeah, well. I pretty much only eat that. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you right now. You better not, you you ate that thing. You better not come I in ate, here. I ate a know, half of one. I didn't eat the whole thing. I ate I a ate bite because I didn't want to be wearing tights or anything coming no, in the it's office. Not gonna, come on, I, that stuff will it's make not going to give you tights. You don't think so? No. This is all in an effort to save the world, Mark. Don't you know that we are global warming? A big part of it is because of our commercial farming and making all of these cows, cow farts. Not just cow farts, but yes, cow farts. Cow farts. And cow poopoos pooled together in big pools where it lets off methane. They and just all need kinds to other products. put a big bubble over that thing and burn it. They probably do. They probably yeah, do. Bottle I, that. Bottle that methane. I ain't buying it. Okay. There was more manufacturing and process. That stuff is, that's artificial soy. It's It'll not artificial do- soy. It's soy. It's that stuff is, I'm telling you what. I it, have to say, I am surprised by, how, it, it's not like a garden burger. I mean, it doesn't have big seed chunks and weird. You're going to have stage seven cancer by tomorrow. Listen, I don't, I don't eat, I'm not going to eat that stuff anymore. I had one. Don't do it, bro. Burger. I won't, because hey, you know don't, me. Don't I buy the lie. I am a carnivore. There you go. All right. Just text Carnivorous. Carnivorous. So we won't do it again. We did try it. Um, we yeah. gave it a fair shake. Well, we had to try it because yeah. somehow we talked about it last week. I don't remember what we said, but I did receive some questions. Hey, did you try the Impossible Burger? Yeah. We have now tried it. Well, there you go. And it's, it's I'm going to say it was burger-esque. Yeah, yeah. So if you're like, you can't eat meat and you eat that, it's fairly close to a really bad. So we'll call it the Burger Queen. 
There you go. It's it's it's, it's not the Burger King. It's a lot like a really Burger bad King Burger King burger, but it's not like the burgers I have. So at home. so, our family ministries pastor, Pastor Jason, he said he used to work at a, uh, a Burger, burger King. King. Yeah, back in the day, home of the Whopper, and he said tastes like a Whopper. I've had a lot of Whoppers. It yeah, tastes like go. a Whopper. Yeah. So you yeah. know what we used to call when somebody was telling a big lie at our house. That's when we a Whopper. Kids? Yeah, was a whopper. Yeah, no, I've heard that before. Okay, yeah, uh, so. not just a children's thing. Okay, well, just checking. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, um, I'm not going there. I'm not, not going buying there. the lie. All right. Well, and let's that ceviche. Uh huh. But it was very good. Wahoo ceviche. Oh, wahoo yes. ceviche is very. I mean, good. it with was some Mexi pep on top. Oh, it was amazing. So you know, anything you ate next to it, just was to really our not to go our well. wonderful listeners, you haven't lived until you've seen a gigantic. Tupperware bowl of Missy's ceviche because normally if you're at a yeah. if you're at a restaurant you get ceviche they bring you like like a tablespoon of ceviche and it's like for twelve ninety five yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly like yeah. here you go here's your one spoonful of ceviche split it between all four of you and enjoy yeah yeah that like, is not ceviche no. no so we were eating I didn't ceviche. know what I was missing out on the ceviche train until I had Missy's ceviche yeah it's good stuff yeah so for those of you who don't know what ceviche is mm. you take a delicious Mexican sushi. It's Mexican sushi. Oh, so and basically, good. the lime juices kind of cook the fish a little bit. So but, good. Oh, juicy and Mexican-y. And now I'm capping it off with some good Tazo, tazo chai tea. Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm going to go with a good old-fashioned bubbly water right now. There you now. go. Yeah, bubbly water is good. Nothing up that er, digestive well, tract. Uh, erupt during the cast a pod. So. Well, here. Hold on one second. In the news, Mark. In the news today. I, hang on. I can still feel gravity in the room from this. Yes. There's, this song has gravitational pull. I feel heavy all of a sudden. I like this song. Do you have some heavy news for us? Scientists discover a surprising weapon in the fight against brain tumors. The Ebola virus. Oh, really? The Ebola virus. <laughs> You're dead. You don't care now. Oh, indisputably no. one of the deadliest viruses known to man. But according to Yale scientists, it may actually do some good for a change. Researchers say certain parts of the Ebola virus have shown promise in treating and fighting, what is it, glioblastomas, or very mm-hmm. hard to treat yep. and often fatal brain tumors. The irony is that one of the world's deadliest viruses may be useful in treating one of the deadliest brain cancers, comments Yale, a- Yale's Anthony Van Den Pohl, Van Den Pohl, professor of neuropsychology. You think he a neurosurgery? You think Van Den Pohl comes from the Netherlands? If you're any Vander something, Van Den Pohl? a Vander something, you're from the Netherlands. He, his name's Anthony. Anthony, good old, good old Mexican. Yeah, we're gonna say or Italian. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony Antoine. Van Den Pohl. Vanderpool. There's some some mixing. There might have North been. It's kind of like Carlos there. Murphy's. But that would be fascinating. Ebola uh, as a way to treat brain tumors. Yeah, they're just having a hard time finding volunteers to test the theory. Well, if you've got a terminal cancer like brain cancer. A, That's uh, true. You're running out of options. Leoblastoma or whatever Leoblastoma. Who knows? Blastoma. I'm not a surgeon. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. I'm not a surgeon but I play one on TV. No. Mm-mm. No, that's not I it. wouldn't even go near no. you if you played one on TV. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, we'll see how that how that works out. Hey, it couldn't be any weirder than some of the other things, right? Some more scientists scientists theorize that space aliens may already be among us. 
Now that makes sense. Uh huh. But we don't recognize them. The reason we don't recognize them is that they might be itty bitty microscopic space aliens that have come here, and we just don't, we can't see them. Found them in the found it in the imposter burger. They're already here, in the form of soy. Yeah. So the space aliens, zombies, space aliens might already be among us. All right. And some more surgery scientific news. <laughs> Want to be a little bit taller? Radical surgery permanently extends your legs by cutting your tibia Ooh. and Ooh. fibula. Ooh, I don't like surgery. And then placing a spacer mm. in between the cut and allowing the bones to heal themselves. You could grow by an inch or two. And gain a whole lot of confidence. <sighs> it's not worth it. Oh, could you imagine? I just they you just know take what? a skill saw to your tibia no. and fibula, and, oh. and then extend them. Well, you know that's how they do knee replacements. It, they call it a partial amputation. Yeah, it's a partial amputation. So, yeah. and I'm I hate surgeries. Have you gone under before for a surgery? Yeah, yeah. I've never been. I've never gone under. Re- okay, so it's the best nap you'll ever get. So I've heard, but. Yeah, surgery. Ooh. I think I, you know, I don't get too squeamish about things, but the whole going under thing, if I, I think I'd get a little nervous about that. Man, you'd want to have to be tall really bad. Couldn't you just like get some heels? Well, I'm already or? tall enough, so I don't No, I know, I surgery. understand that. So I get it for our vertically challenged people. Right. But still, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. No way. Mm-hmm. No way. I just let my fro grow another inch or two, so I look taller. Yep. Oh, man. Ah, there you go. There, and guess I, you know guess what? what? I'm city. practically speechless. Guess what city the sur- the surgeon is working from that does this? See if you can figure out which which city, which fleshly city in America? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. There you go. There you go. Wow. Yep. I'm, at, st- I'm still this. a little grossed out. At Limplast X Institute. L-I-M-B-P-L-A-S-T, Limplast. That sounds like some one of those companies that, uh, what's his name, uh, Tesla guy would own. Limplast? You think that would be an Elon Musk? Yeah, like, like you know, SpaceX, Limplast. Limplast X. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Man. I mean, I'm not vertically challenged, so I guess I shouldn't speak for everybody, but... Yeah, they, uh, they, they cut through the patient's either femur or... Tibia. I, I just and uh, I couldn't do it, bro. Put I in a metal implant, and then they send them on their way to heal. And once the bones grow back, they are several inches taller. Can you imagine, like, just like being the guy with the saw? I I couldn't do it. Those that doctor, he deserves every dime he makes. I yeah. couldn't do it. So apparently, they used to do this primarily on people who have like a. A malformed leg that's one's shorter than the other, but now there's some people saying, you know, I want to be a little bit cosmetic surgery. I wish I were a little bit taller. Wish I looked a little better. Yeah. No thanks. I'm 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 good. One more news story. Uh, Please, no more surgery things. I I, I perish the thought. A politician. This is a surgery one. Oh, now I'm going to be sick. It's a politician. A politician in Alabama, Alabama state representative. Rolanda, Rolanda Hollis. You can tell me which political party you think this person, Rolanda Hollis, is from. 
she has proposed a bill that would force vasectomies on men who are 50 years of age or older to hinder the amount of children that might be produced. Yeah, your face. I wish I had your facial expression on this. <laughs> Forced vasectomies. You know, you don't even know how who to don't know that Miss Hollis Pearson, and I never liked her to begin with. That lady is crazy. She's from Mobile, I'll tell you. Yeah, she Down there in Alabama. You know, taking the family jewels very lightly. Alabama? Yeah, no thank you. How do they say Alabama down in Alabama? Alabama. 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 Come on, it's like Nolens. Nolens. No, it's not different, New Orleans. Different accent. Nolens. Way different accent. I'm, Alabama. I'm with a few people Mobile. from. I tell you what. I'll tell you one thing for sure I tell right you now. what, you, you done gone had too many children, boy. We're going to have to take care of that. Come on down here. We take care of that Cut right. down in the prime of we life. Got, we got to take care of that right quick. No, thank you. Because, you know, you're 50 years and old. You're older. <laughs> so we got to take I, care I of that. I just don't understand that. That's Why is, why is 50 the magic number? Uh, would also require a vasectomy after a man has had three biological children. So sorry, Elliot. Boom. Couldn't have had you because... What, what is this lady, crazy? Rolanda Hollis. So what political party do you assume... What do I? Is there an R or a D after Rolanda Hollis's name? I, I think a C for crazy, but <laughs> um, uh, you getting some text messages, some really important text messages? Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, do you even want to answer my question? A D is what I'm guessing, or you, an ding, I. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. You are correct. A D or not? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. earn yeah. an Impossible Burger. Oh man, <laughs> that is not right. That's all I got for the news today. Oh, goodness gracious. Yes. Forced vasectomies. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. She tweeted her proposed bill. The vasectomy bill is to help with the reproductive system. This is to neutralize the abortion ban bill. The responsibility is not always on the woman. It takes two to tangle, she says. Takes two to tangle. This will help prevent pregnancy as well as abortion of unwanted children. Quote, that was on her Twitter. Anyways, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on in the world of the news today. So all you people that really want to know what's happening, that's it. Who are we texting? Well, so... There's some distractions. I thought we were I'm turning sorry, our phones I, away. Here's what happened. These yeah. people are freaked out because I'm going to do their wedding. Oh, well, I'd but be freaked I out if you were doing my wedding too. I would too, but I turned in the thing saying I wouldn't be at the reception. Oh, the reception. Yes, so they're they're them and their wedding planner are blowing up my phone right now, thinking that I'm not doing the wedding. No, it's just a it's just a reception. Or yeah. did you say you wouldn't be at the rehearsal? Did they think that? No, 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 no. Uh, you you yeah, can deal with this. You later. Know what, I'll deal with it later. Deal with that later. Just, they, I'll they let them worry. I'm gonna let, them, I'm gonna let them. I'm gonna let them. I'm gonna let them worry. Yeah. It's gosh, trust God, people. It's all good. I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? Somebody else gets up and does it. There you go. I mean, it's no big deal, right? Probably not. No. I, if you do, you think about weddings. You think of all the planning. Uh, well, the, the, the minister, shall we say, at the wedding is kind of a central feature. So. Well, yeah. They put all this time and all these different things. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, kind of important to some people. So yeah. anyways, um, yeah, that's all the news I got. Cool. Yeah, do we have, do we have some questions or there anything else you want to man add that just, to the mix that's, today? That, that whole you're still kind of hung up on the vasectomy Ro Rolanda thing, Hollis. That just 
that just doesn't make it. That's just dumb that anybody in their right mind would think they could actually do that and force this. Well, no, there were a lot of people that instantly came out, both D's and R's together, saying this this is a bad idea. Yeah, I mean... It is doubtful. Talk about your HIPAA violation. I mean, who's going to be keeping well, track of it? let's just say it sounds a little bit like uh, China or some other more totalitarian sort of right situation. or what's next yeah. they decide the ones that we keep and the ones we get rid of i mean it's not enough that they're killed what 70 million children so in far the womb, so yeah. far just in the united states they got a wow man that's just that's disturbing well it was supposed to be disturbing right yeah i guess so you know so anyway dude okay here we go let's get to our questions let's do that here's the thing yeah. the people that send in these questions uh-huh these people are sane. Yes, they are. They, they're like a little island of sanity in a sea of craziness. Well, that's why we bring the news here, just to show the contrast between sanity and not. Man. Yeah. All right, here we go. I've heard Bible commentary, and in parentheses, most, most recently, recently from Spurgeon. Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince the of Preachers. Yes. C-H. Uh, Chuck Spurgeon. Chuck Spurgeon. And this person, if they're reading Charles Spurgeon... And they're into the really light reading, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're going for the real deal. They're reading Chucky Baby here, so this is good. They're real Christians. They're legit. Anyway, Charles Spurgeon, who says our feelings aren't important, I'd like to know what that quote. I was on fire for Jesus when I was saved. Lately, I felt nothing, but still go through the motions, hoping those feelings will come back. And feeling full of shame. Uh, how do belief and believing in our hearts and feelings intersect? Well, that's a. I think that's a very useful topic. I think so, too. Yeah, that's a good question. Yes, it is a good question. Wow. This person's sane. Mm-hmm. I like What that. do you think, Mark, about feelings? Well, I'd like to know what his... Feelings. Nothing more for feelings. feelings. Okay. Like so, on the corner of my mind. Yeah. Feelings of love. Now you got me thinking of that song. And the cheesy Las Vegas versions of it that I'll probably sing later. I'll mm. close this up singing feelings. Ooh, the, the podcast spectacular. Today. The vocal stylings of facts. Pastor Mark. Okay, facts don't care. Yes, about your feelings. You got hate facts, bro. Facts don't. I care can't about believe your there's feelings. a thing called hate facts. I don't even know what that is. Hate facts. Hate facts. Hate facts are when you're reciting a fact back to somebody, uh-huh. but they reflect poorly on something this person is. Maybe a certain culture or race or something. Look it up. And, and they call them hate facts. And so... Uh, Is it all one word? Oh, hashtag hate facts. Oh, there you go. Oh. oh. I, I didn't know about this. This Look is that something... Up. Hate this facts. is something... What? That the, Whoa, uh, you're, you just... It's like you just got electrocuted, like you were chewing on a 9-volt battery. What happened? You just saw something... Was there an image or a statement? Or, yeah. yeah, you're in front of a computer. You're you're cry, you're blushing, Miles. What happened? Nothing. Okay. Anyways, so um, I'll look at hate facts later. Okay. So, Whoa, that bad, huh? Yeah. You never know what you're gonna Google up, huh, do you? All right. Okay. So um, <laughs> where were we? Yeah, feelings aren't important. Uh, well, no, I 
Did All you right. say feelings are unimportant? That's Spurgeon who says our oh, feelings aren't important. I would I would disagree with yeah. Spurgeon. I would like to see this. You're right. Um, so whoever to, sent us this question, if you could if you could reference us, the where context. Spurgeon said letters to my students or whatever important. it is. I yeah. don't think God would have created us with the capacity for emotion and feeling feelings if they weren't important. Right now, because in the same way that the sense of touch feelings yep. are important, like they tell you when you're going to injure yourself. I think that uh, emotions are important. Right. Emotions are indicators of where our thoughts are. Right. Right? Right. And so, you know, we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Mm, frighteningly so. so. Uh, the emotions are definitely a barometer of the heart. Or they can fair be. Fair to say that, they can be. And so not all emotion is bad. We know that God has emotions. Right. We see that he experiences, obviously, there's love, right? Compassion. Uh, anger. Mm. What are some other ones? Grief. He's jealous for us. Sadness. Yeah, sadness. He was grieved that he had made man, things mm -hmm. like that. So I think all those emotions, the thing about God, because he is perfect, is those emotions are always a reflection of a perfect being and a perfect heart. And so um, I do think we live in a culture that can be very much driven by its emotions emotionalism um, yes and it is i think emotions are every bit as addictive as any drug they certainly can be i know so many people i don't know if you people would, who are led by their emotions that can be yeah, dangerous yeah I, I don't know how many people you've seen that that their their emotions have completely ruined their lives because their decisions are usually made from an emotional standpoint things like that mm -hmm. consistently their emotions rule their lives so that emotions like that yeah that's not a good thing so you were on fire for Jesus when you were first saved. Lately, I felt nothing but still go through the motions, hoping those feelings will come back, and I'm feeling full of shame. Now, I don't know your situation, Yeah, but I say this would be consistent if there was a, a spot, an issue, a sin in your life, and you continue as a Christian to be involved in that sin, um, I think that you can feel guilty, mm -hmm. full of shame. Uh, I think you can be down and depressed in those things because the two, you're trying to make that all exist in the same heart and body and soul as the Holy Spirit. And so um, there's pro if you're grieved and it's because of sin, that I, I mean, that's a pretty good explanation for that. Yeah, um, I think it's another... not the only reason. Like one of the other things I, that comes to my mind in reading this mm -hmm. question is that, you know, when, when two, you know, you have a couple that meet each other for the first time, they start to fall in love, like, shall we say, there's a lot of emotion, feeling that's involved in that whole thing. But Electricity. You take that, mm, you take that same couple and let's say they've been, married. In the air. they've been married for seven or ten years. Yeah. Maybe the emotions are not exactly the same, but they, they still love each other. Right. They don't have the same feeling of that, that high, if you will, that... Um, ecstatic feeling as they did early on, but they've grown in a depth of love. So I think in our relationship with the Lord as well, like when you first are saved and you're, you're feeling the ecstasy, if you will, of being saved and forgiven, grace and all those sort of things. And then over time, the feelings may not be quite the same, but you're growing in your depth of love with the Lord. But like what you're saying, I think is true as well, that if there is an area in your life that is out of order, not right, then, yeah, you may feel some guilt over that. And that's one of those things where you have to say, 
just like David did in the Psalms. Search my heart, Lord. See if there be right. any w- wicked way in me. So that you can confess it, and then when you confess it, you can rejoice in the fact that God forgives you because he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, says First John 1, 9. So, so yeah, but feelings are important, but they can also be deceptive. Yes, and I think another, another way this scenario can be going, because it's obviously we're not just answering this person's question, but maybe this relates to some other people. Um, a, lot of, a relationship with the Lord is a lot... I, I equate it with a marriage. I think marriage is a great... Right. Well, that's why we're called a, the bride of Christ. Right? A great training ground for a relationship with the Lord. And um, part of marriage is sacrifice and hard work. Obedience and duty and all that good stuff. Yeah, the things that aren't necessarily words that, you know, give you a giddy feeling. Yeah. Uh, And so um, there is a part of a relationship with the Lord that sometimes takes some discipline and some dedication and and setting that time aside from him. Uh, When I hear this statement, I feel like I'm going just going through the motions. It may be a great time to step back and take a Sabbath, get away, and just spend some time with the Lord. Maybe maybe he's looking to be the center of your life, and you're not giving him that uh, what he's due, that honor and that time. And so it might be a time, uh, it's always very refreshing to get away and just spend some time with the Lord and consider, I like to consider the things that he has done for me, and I start at the cross and I work my way back. And... Uh, a time of thankfulness and prayer and contemplation. And um, it's good. I mean, there's a million things to be bummed out about, but if you really look at overall how things are going for us yeah, uh, in the light of eternity, that should restore our joy. And I would encourage this person to uh, go read Ephesians chapter one, the first 14 verses, and just remind yourself about what your identity in Christ is and all the spiritual blessings that he has given to you in Christ that we are forgiven and redeemed and given an inheritance. Such wonderful things to just meditate upon and, and dwell upon. There in Ephesians chapter 1, really important. To restore unto you the joy of your salvation is a important thing. Right. And so, um, and then the last part is how, uh, how do belief, uh, i.e. believing in our hearts and feelings intersect? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Trying to understand that question here. Make sure I understand that. How do you believe, i.e., believing in our hearts and feelings intersect? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure either. Yeah, I think I, I know that when we have a solid belief in the Lord, there's a certain amount of confidence that goes with that. As far as that's a feeling, a certain amount of joy, that should is can be a, a feeling that comes out of it. But I, I think... The feelings aren't always an indication of really what's going on. So sometimes there are impression of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So feelings can, emotions can be very, very tricky. Very true. So pull that down a little bit yep. closer to the, just my aim mic. It, aim it. There we there go. We yeah, go. We're, we're right. right. All right. So, we're in the ballpark now. Because I sound good in my own ears. I sound amazing. You sound amazing. And humble. I just want to make sure that my levels over here on this little levels screen well, shows that you've got all the technology on I your do. side I got, of the desk. I got buttons. I got buttons. Rightfully so. Lots of buttons. I can. Oh, there you go. There's yeah. the, yeah. That's There's, the that's one when the, you get out of hand. Yeah. How come I don't get a button? Um, do I get out of hand? Yes. Really? All the time. Huh. All the time. I highly doubt that. Oh, come on now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, <laughs> Not only do I have that one, I have this one. Yeah.
Yeah. Okay, oh, you're back on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Oh gosh. We got all, all right. the toys around here. Number I, two. You know what? Yeah. People ever call you names? Never. Okay, just checking. Actually, I was thinking. Never mind. I was thinking the same thing. I, I want to say it. Wait, go ahead. I, the, I named somebody called you. Oh, no. Let's move on. Can we move on? I, let's I, move I, on. I, I, I still can't get over that. I'm still sticks and stones. Sticks there you go. Stones. All right. So we'll break wounded. somebody's I'm bones. I'm wounded. Okay. Is it okay for Christians to dance? It depends. <laughs> Can they dance? Yes. That's the first thing. <laughs> it is not okay for you. Yes. And, <laughs> and then, yeah, we probably shouldn't dance. Don't dance if you can't. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, hang on a second here. This could mean a lot of things. Well, this, I, you know, if it's a theological question, then yes, you, it's okay to dance. No. David, David danced before the okay, Lord. Okay, but let's, I, this could have a lot of, you know, for my neighborhood, this can mean some things. Really? So first of all, you should have your clothes on. Come, that, that's not what we're talking about. It's not what we're talking I about. I just knew somebody was a dancer, and I found out well, it wasn't listen, in the no, ballet. No. I know, I know. Okay. Um, I, I know who this question came from. Oh, then you did. Okay, you and have some insight. Do, well, no, but it has to do with a, a special segment that we didn't air last week, our special Valentine's segment, where we made some phone calls to some people. Famous and, pastors. And one of our elders, Ken. Yeah. You remember what he told us, that he and his wife. Were oh, that's doing, right. They were going to dancing lessons. So this was a question from Ken. Is it okay for See, Christians to dance? I think he was trying to get out of the dancing lessons. Okay, I didn't want to talk about this. Yeah. Because... Ken did something that made you look bad. Well, he got his wife a really good no, present. He got he, dancing lessons. Look at this way. I, He's his, a good man. Uh, he is a good man. But what I'm saying is he must have really thought this was important to his wife. Yeah. It would be very romantic. I bet she was stoked. And maybe. because We some, didn't get a play-by-play back from Ken. We're going to find well out. We should but, call him. Well, I was going to call him, but I just texted him and said, are you busy? And he said, a little. So, oh boy, he's probably dancing. Dancing, yeah, <laughs> old stinking Fred Astaire over there. Yeah. So, um, he got her the lessons, and I thought, well, that's really nice because I would never do that. He's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, I'd do just about anything for my wife, but dancing lessons. You would do anything for love, just about anything. But you won't do that. Probably not that. I mean, I'd rather. I would literally. Come on, meatloaf, sing it. I dislike. I, I'm such not a dancer. I would probably rather give her a kidney. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm just not a dancer. Yeah. And anybody who's seen me, I'm sure, would say the same thing. So, yeah. So it is not prohibited for for Christians to dance. I'm going to say normally, in a non-sexual fashion, because the whole twerking thing was a little bit gross. Our Pastor Chuck would say, like worms and hot ashes. He would He would be... Yeah, anyway, so that kind of, but no, just normal dancing, I don't, you know. I mean, part of the reasons I became a Baptist is so I wouldn't have to dance, so. Yeah, so no, dancing is not. It's not, not allowed. Not Yeah, it's not not allowed, okay. No, no, it, yeah, you can dance. You can dance if you want to. If you can dance. Yeah, if you can dance. Jack Daniels cannot be involved. No, though. come on. You didn't need to go cannot there. Cannot be involved. You didn't need to go there. So I know he some people dance. that only dance when they're inebriated. Mm. Okay. And that's why dancing and and the other thing, drinking are forbidden by most Southern Baptists. There you go, because yeah. they go along with one yeah. another. Yeah. So number three. The Bible clearly condemns homosexuality. Old and New Testament. However, some who practice religion feel their lifestyle is okay 
and feel God will accept this and they will enter into eternal life. It's not really a question mark here. Yeah. It's kind of a statement. Maybe this was Well, a, they're asking us to weigh this in. This was a what do you think? What you thinking about, man? So there are a number of places in the Old Testament and New Testament that do speak quite negatively of homosexuality, that the act of homosexual sex is sinful, just as is heterosexual sexual immorality. So that would be any sort of sexual activity outside of the confines of marriage. And since marriage is ordained by God as between a man and a woman, then homosexuality, homosexual engagement and sexual activity in that way is sin. Yes, this is true. Yeah. God frowns upon fornication. It is a sin. True, yeah. But we, I think you know both Mark and I would agree on this because we've talked about this before. All sin is sin. Paul does make the point in Corinthians, I believe it is, that there is a there's an aspect to sexual sin, both homosexual, heterosexual, sexual immorality, that is against your own soul. There's a there's a deep level to sexual sin. Dragging the Holy Spirit into it, man. Yeah. So, um, so there is there does seem to be in the hierarchy of sin, if you will, um, sexual sins do seem to be moving up the the level, if you will. Um, so there are people who are Christians who, as as evidence. I'll interrupt you, but as evidence by their impact here even on earth. Right. You see that there's quite a bit of payback for that. Right. And not payback, maybe that's the wrong word, but there's there are sexual sin uh does reap consequences here on earth. Absolutely. And uh and there's That's why they con- want to force vasectomies. Yeah, well, that's not sin. Mm. Having children is not sin. But yeah. This lady's a legalist. So um in one of the passages in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul talks about people who engage in sexual immorality, whether it's homosexual sexual immorality or heterosexual sexual immorality, he says that these people will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. So we need to recognize that there are Christians who came out of sexually immoral backgrounds, lives, whether it was homosexual engagement or heterosexual engagement, they were sexually immoral, and they no longer are because they have put their faith in Jesus Christ, they've repented of their sin, they've been forgiven, and they're walking in newness of life. That would be the expectation of Scripture. Now, right, and God used some prostitutes in a mighty way. Yeah, I mean, you think yeah. of Ruth. Yeah. No, not Ruth. Not Ruth. Ruth. No, Rahab. 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 Where's, where's my mind? Poor oh, that's Ruth. Okay. Poor Ruth. How dare I threw all Ruth, Ruth under the bus? Like Goodness gracious! Well, that under was kind of a wheel. weird story, though. It is a little story. Yeah, well, the whole Boaz thing. Let's not get into that right yeah. now. Uh, back to the whole topic at hand, though. Uh, so there are people who they are Christians and they still have desire for their old life, if you will, whether it was engaging in any sort of sexual immorality. So they still are um, tempted. So there are some people who have same-sex attraction and they're still tempted, but they have determined that they're going to walk in rightness or what we call righteousness. So they're not going to engage in homosexual or any sort of sexual activity outside of marriage. And so they, they abstain from that. Right. They live celibate from those sort of things. Now, you and I have both seen some pastors yeah. from a pulpit. Uh huh. I don't know where you're going with this. Well, no, but the, there are certain pastors in the pulpit who kind of make it like it's no big deal, that homosexuality is no big deal. Yeah, we have a growing segment of people who are churches, Christians, who talk about being welcoming and affirming to those who are engaged in homosexual lifestyles. So, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they are blowing this off and not representing 
God well in this. Yeah, they're saying that we're misinterpreting Paul. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but, and the same thing with, you know, heterosexual fornication. Well, those are two big words. Um, passing that off is no big deal. And it's like, no, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Sin is sin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, you know, I'm not saying we need to jump up and down and condemn these people to hell. And right. But when, as you come through scripture and you go into scripture, you can't call what is good bad and what is bad good. It's not okay. Yeah. So we would not agree that the lifestyle is okay to continue to right. walk in any sort of open sin. Right. If you're a thief, you need to stop stealing. If you're a liar, you need to stop lying. If you're sexually immoral, you need to repent. Right on. Receive forgiveness and walk in rightness. Yeah. No more righteousness. And we will all continue to fall short of the glory of God, and we'd still need his grace and his forgiveness. But he calls us to a higher life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not okay. All right. Um, four. Number four, did Jesus go? I thought we had this question before. We may have. We, some did of Jesus go to hell, and there he defeated Satan? Question mark. Also, what did Jesus do for the three days before he was resurrected? It's a great question. Yeah. He was chilling. He was hanging out. Lawn chair. Hanging out with the Holy Spirit? Yep. No. Chilling. Just chilling. Um, so this has been an ongoing discussion among theologians for a long time about what was Jesus up to spiritually, shall we say? His body was in the tomb. But what was he up to spiritually, in the spirit, soul, so forth, while he was in the tomb? And there is a view, and I would say that I kind of lean towards this view, and there are passages of Scripture that seem to imply this in Ephesians 4, and Jude, I believe, talks about this as well. Peter may mention this in Second Peter. I'm trying to remember but there is a view that Jesus, in the Spirit, went into this place that we would describe as Hades or Sheol. That's the Hebrew word. S-H-E-O-L. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting word. Or he went to set the captives free that were in Abraham's, the place of Abraham's comfort. I know you have a hard time with Abraham's bosom, and you have an issue with that, that terminology. We've had that discussion before. Oh, really? That's come up before. It just seemed a little weird. Yeah, well, so... Luke chapter, I want to say 16, Jesus tells us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And as he does, there seems to be this place that he describes as being, I want to say it's center of the earth kind of a thing. He describes a place of torment where the rich man went to and a place of comfort that the man named Lazarus, who had formerly been uh, poor and leprous, went to. Now, is there another word for that, like paradise or paradiso? There's a a weird... Abraham's bosom. Oh, okay. So... um, There is a view that Jesus went and preached to the captive angels. This is coming from Jude uh, during that period of time. Or that he brought those people who were Old Testament faithful, like the man named Lazarus in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, brought them to paradise to be with him, just as he told the man on the cross, today you will be with him. Surely that's where I was going. That he took them to heaven from that place, and that's what happened during that period of time. Possible. We do not know 100% what Jesus was up to during those that period of time when he's in the tomb. But one day we can ask him. Yeah. And we can file that with the other 99% of stuff that we don't know about Jesus. There's a few things yeah. we don't know. It's going to be great. Yes. Was, yep. I, was, well, I was listening to a thing the other day. It says that we really only know like 3% about the human body. 
I find that hard to believe. It was like a, this crazy thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the facts on that. You get the facts on it was that. A, it was. They said you know actually you know with cells and all this stuff. How dumb are we? We're pretty dumb. I mean, we got people wanting to give vasectomies to everybody over fifty. Well, that's just absurd. Yeah, she's from Alabama. She's she's. <laughs> yeah, I should oh, have said that. Oh man, see, I oh oh, <laughs> I was, don't need a that button. That was a stereotype. I, I don't need a beep button. <laughs> I can I can edit I'm myself. so humble and proper. I can edit myself. Yeah, okay, there you go. Moving on, oh, number okay. five. I, yeah. <laughs> edit yourself. You like Moses writing about yourself. That's yeah. right. Moses uh, said of himself he was the most humble man who ever. Yeah, I love it. I, I do that like all the time 24. just to see if people have actually read that. And mm-hmm. some of them don't get it. They must think I'm really pompous. But anyway. Um, okay. So uh what did he do for three days before he was resurrected? Okay, I think we like do we answer that? I, I think, think to so. the best yeah. of our ability. I think so. Cool. Oh, why does our church not have members? Other churches I attended, we did have members. That way we were able to express and vote on various issues. Exactly. Well, we're not a democracy at Cross Connection. And there's no democracy in the Bible. Sure there is. It's when all the people said, let's go back to Egypt. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. I, don't yeah. Know. I know you think people are, yeah. I think people are what? You always you are a very positive guy. You think people are smart and so always do negative? the right thing. And well, I didn't say people always do well, the right thing. But you tend to be more positive than I do. Maybe. And I'm like, no, people do bad things. Well, of course people do bad things. But people I think that's sinners. because you deal with the good part of people and I deal with the harder part. The, yeah, or you the, might the bad be right. part. You yeah. might be right. So why don't life. we have membership? Well, yeah. we traditionally tradition. Okay. Um Cross Connection Church was connected to the Calvary Chapel movement and is connected to the Calvary Chapel. I was going to say was is is yeah. I still teach at Calvary Chapel Bible College, um, and just traditionally, Calvary chapels have not had formal membership or voting members, and so we kind of inherited that structure and continue that structure, and uh, and we don't do things based on voting from the congregation. We're not a congregationally led church. So whoever this was that sent in this question. You went to a more congregational church, and we are not a congregational church. We, um, like many Calvary chapels, we are pastor-led, but um, elder-accountable, shall we say. We have an elder board, and uh, we just had a meeting with our elders this last week to vote on and plan our budget and everything for this year, and they all approved it unanimously. That was great. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's awesome. And um, so we have a board of elders. And we meet with them and pray with them and share with them the things that are going on. And uh, they, thank God, they, they seem, for some reason, they seem to trust you and me, Mark. Well, they listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's frightening. They see us at our worst. Yeah. <laughs> is, this, is this our worst? Yeah, that, I think this is as bad as it gets here. But, okay, but it's interesting because you're in Deuteronomy. Mm. And we were talking, about, talking about the selection of leaders. Yeah. And I think we can also Which look at... Which we're also called elders. Right. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, Timothy and Titus are pretty good books to read about in the modern ch- or the New Testament about uh, how you select elders or leaders. Mm-hmm. But also in Deuteronomy, you've been going over that a little bit. And right. I am thankful that our church elders were selected. Now, Moses had 70 elders. Right. We have a tenth of that. Well, yeah, but that's he also because, had a congregation of several hundred thousand. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, like a million. So yeah. I think we're doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our reputation of our elders is that they have wisdom and make good decisions. We just added three new elders. We did. We're going to introduce them to the church soon. Younger elders. 
slightly. They're not young, but it's interesting that yeah. they're younger elders, so uh-huh. that's good. And I, I like those guys. Yep. So Good people. Anyway. so They keep us on track, or they try. Right. They might be right. failing. So one of the challenges of a democratic, we'll call it church, or a church that votes, is if you're not careful, you can find a, if you have a, well, you could find leadership doing things to please the people that aren't necessarily biblical. And that can be a hazard. Mm, that's called pandering. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think we see what poli- politics does out in the world. And politics in the church is not a good thing. It can be very damaging. Yes. And so I'm not saying those other churches are bad, but I am... I like the faults that our system have. Those are, I'm sure there are faults with our system. I can live with the faults that our system has. And uh, they're, yeah, I like that. Now, I would say if we were to call somebody a member at Cross Connection. Yeah, how do you become a member at Cross Connection? Yeah, um, I would say a person who is a, would call themselves a member of Cross Connection would be somebody who comes to church regularly. Yeah. Uh, serves at the church as part of a team. Yeah. Uh, is engaged financially as yep. far as giving. They believe in the church and what it's doing. It's accomplishing the mission of Jesus Christ, and so they're financially invested. Um, gosh, uh, part of a connect group would be really great. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other one thing I'm leaving out? Those are basically the things. They, yeah. they, you you kind of self-select to be a member at Cross Connection, and we, we say that we know who the people who are a part of Cross Connection Church because we know them. Right. We know them because they serve. We know them because they're a part of a connect group. We know them because they are committed in prayer and in financially supporting the ministry of the church here. And so we know who those people are. They're, they're members of the body of Christ. Right. And I think... Um, and you become a member of the body of Christ by putting your trust in Jesus Christ and joining a local church. Right. And I see that, that um, they're usually people of good reputation. There's evidence in their lives that they're walking in obedience. But I would see if, you know, that's what I would say. We got good people at Cross Connection Church. Oh, we got great people. We're yes. very grateful. Grateful, grateful people. And then um, I, you know, I keep thinking, Jesus says, boy, my, my sheep know my voice. Right? Bet. So, yes, that's how you become a, and then there's another saying at Calvary Chapel that, because some people do like to vote, is you vote with your feet. Mm. So a positive vote is your feet take you into the sanctuary and you come to church a negative vote, I don't like this place, is you... Go to another church? You go to another church. I guess so. And so that's, uh, that's, that's the only voting that takes place. So, Okay. Um, Keep so voting the right way. Vote yes. Vote, Be vote, here on Sunday, right please. Way. Yeah, come here and get, get blessed and bless others. All right, number six. Deuteronomy 1 gives us a guideline for selecting leaders. Uh, yes, Kind of on the same topics. Yes. Uh, how do we support leadership that doesn't fit those guidelines? Well, I think there's a scripture there in Romans, I believe. Uh, it seems this president isn't necessarily a godly man, but does support some biblical values. Well, let's make a, a distinction between governing leaders and church, church leaders. leaders. Right. So, you know, I think, I think it's worth recognizing that Paul, who wrote many of the New Testament books and traveled all around the Roman world of the day, was living and leading the church under one of the, well, a pretty terrible government, the government of Rome, especially during the time of Emperor Nero. You think it was slightly evil? Yeah, he, he wasn't, Nero was not exactly 
your upstanding godly man, that's for darn sure. Um, he was engaged in just about every immoral thing that you could imagine. I bet he knows a little bit about God now. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it, what's fascinating is that Paul didn't write against the Roman Empire or the Roman government or against Emperor Nero. He didn't really say anything other than submit yourself to those governing leaders, which is surprising. And Jesus did the same when he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, even though he was speaking to a group of his Jewish countrymen who really didn't like the Roman occupation and government under which they were living. So, so we should make a distinction between earthly leaders governing authorities and guidelines for selecting leaders within the church. Now that said, we have the privilege here in the United States of America, one that we're going to exercise here in California in just a couple of weeks on March 3rd, and then again in November, to be able to select and elect leaders. And a lot of times, and I think that this is an unfortunate, an unfortunate reality of modern politics in America, is that we know far too much about the federal officials and far too little about our local governing officials. Mm-hmm. And that we really can see a significant transformation in society if we start paying a little bit more attention to the kind of leaders that we're electing at the, say, local city government, county government, state government, and on up. And if we, Christians, because there's a lot of Christians or a lot of people who identify as Christians in America, if we started being a little bit more discerning about the leaders that we were electing, selecting and electing at the local governing levels, state governing levels, and put them through some of the the guidelines according to scriptures. We want some wise, understanding, and knowledgeable leaders who are impartial and just. Um, We might see society change in a pretty drastic way, but I would say that maybe we haven't been doing that so well the last, well, in my lifetime. No, I don't think Christians get out and vote. Not in the way that they should. Um, And uh, they... Certainly, I don't think get out and vote their Bibles, mm-hmm. or this country would look very much, very different than it does now. Right. And uh, some of the things that pass off as okay would never even be mentioned or uttered uh, had Christians, if we vote what our Bibles tell us to, you know. And if we lived what our Bibles And we said. lived, yeah. absolutely, yeah. it would change the world, but um, I, I, you know, I don't know what you think, but I think when we look at our government and we look at the things that are going on, I think that's a reflection, a reflection of the people. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, the, the, yeah, when you see the kind of president who gets elected, whether it's a, a president Obama in 2008, 2012, or president Trump in 2016 and whoever gets elected in 2020, it says more about our country than anything. It tells us a little bit about the temperature, if you will, of our right. country. Right. So, so uh, and, you know, let, let's just say let, we can maybe slightly get political for a moment because the question does come up quite a bit. How can Christians be supportive of a guy like President Donald Trump who is, yeah, I would agree. The guy's not like your picture-perfect godly man. That is for darn sure. He's on wife number three, and he hasn't been like the picture of uh, righteousness, shall we say. Um, so how can Christians, and a lot of Christians did vote for him in 2016, how could they vote for him and support him? And, and my, my typical thought on this is that a lot more people voted against the other candidate in 2016 than maybe were super excited about voting for Donald Trump and or a lot of people voted more for his policy stances than for him as an individual. That, that would be my assessment of it. Yeah, so. and I, I think uh, one of the things that 
some of the Christians I talked to says, well, I'm not going to vote. I don't like either one of those people. And I think, you know, it's very important in life, period, to think a few layers deeper than the surface. And so I know for me, when I cast my vote, I was looking at who was going to elect the next Supreme Court justice. And Supreme and two Court. Of them. Or, or two. Yeah. yeah. And then um, uh, Justice Ginsburg. I mean, she is, you know. Knocking on heaven's door. I'm not trying to be offensive or anything, but there's, yeah, there's not a lot left there. I mean, yeah. she's not, not doing great in, in, so possibly three, right? Well, That's there's just, certainly in the next, in the next presidential term, whoever yes, it is, there's going to be the next president is yeah, going to select she, at least one Supreme right, Court right. justice, but we and just, maybe more. Right. And so, um, those are people that are a pretty big deal. Right. And they're there for life. Yes. And so you're not just voting for a president and then... Um, I know I got a little trouble in the pulpit one day because I told people that they should pray for our president. Mm. Uh, this is when he first became elected and that he's got Christian people around him. I mean, Mike Pence is a sold out vocal Christian uh, and he's the vice president mm -hmm. and they should pray for the president because he has Christians around him. And I pray that he would get radically saved. Mm hmm. And there's nothing that the matter with that. And it was not meant as any disrespect and we, when, to our president. When President Obama was president, we prayed, I prayed for him, for him too. too. Yeah, I prayed absolutely. he would get radically saved. And I don't understand this mindset when the somebody who's not from your team, shall we say, yeah. because it's kind of like a team sport today, becomes president where why would anybody want that person to fail? Because if they fail, we're all, we're all a part of the same country here. Like, Well, I think the know. analogy I heard is praying for your president to fail is like praying for your pilot to fail on right. your flight. It, it's not smart. I mean, I understand if you disagree with that person's policies saying, I don't really want their policies in place. I get it, but yeah. Right. And then one thing I would throw out. Uh-huh. The taking of lives as an abortion, mm. that is not a political issue. No. That is a scriptural issue. It's a moral issue, yeah. It's a moral issue. And so um, I'm never going to vote for someone when Pharaoh says, cast the babies into the Nile. We I say, draw the line. No. We're not no, no, going to no. be in disobedience to the Lord on that one. And sorry, that's just not going to happen. And I have other political issues I'm not going to talk about that are very strong convictions of mine. But but the but that, that one. That is not an issue. The issue on abortion is, is a major no, issue it, for That's us. sin. It always has been, yeah. Yeah, it's murder. Yeah. And so we're never going to, we're not going to back down on that one. Mm -mm. So um, you have to. You've really, you've got to really think about that if you're believing. Now, on that point, like, in using very strong language in that way, we also are incredibly supportive of wanting to, and this is why we have supported alternatives for such a long time, wanting to be able to support those ladies who find themselves in that terrible situation where they don't know what to do and they found out they're pregnant and they, they're afraid that the only option they have is abortion. We, we don't want that to be the only option. And we want them to be supported in the midst of what they're going through. So Right. Or those who have actually had an abortion. Yeah. And have now obviously are regretting that, uh, mm -hmm. getting counsel and encouragement and those things. And certainly God forgives. So um, I don't want that to be, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not saying this to say you're, you know, condemning. But as far as, you know, making a political choice, um, this isn't politics. Right. This is not political at all. This is a, a clear cut biblical issue mm -hmm. so and like the guy or not the current president has been far more supportive of pro-life initiatives than anybody else in well, fact he was the first 
of, I think, any president to go to the Walk for Life in, um, in uh, Washington, D.C. and speak at it, which is pretty amazing. Right. And so. another thing this guy has done, and I'm not campaigning for him, right. but yeah. uh, he's had a very good uh, rapport with Israel. Uh, he's been very pro-Israel. Uh, I know that there's a lot of Christians that care about that. And so he's been very pro-Israel. And uh, the other thing that we were seeing uh, was a lot of religious freedoms were in jeopardy and still are, but uh, I think he's been very pro-religious freedom as far as that's concerned. And I do know people politically on the inside that uh, the president is trying to do some things with the um, injustice and the crimes committed against Christian abro- Christians, particularly abroad in foreign countries by some of these governments, and is trying to withdraw aid and use other measures to try to bring that into line with something that makes a better life for our brothers and sisters in other countries. So this, he has done some good things. So um, I really would, I, as I say, continue to pray for, I'm not saying he hasn't done bad things, but I'm saying I would continue to pray for our president, whoever's in office, that they would get radically and completely saved and um, they could really, really do something amazing. So, yeah. Anyway, so I think we answered that. Yeah. So Number pray seven. for your president. Pray for your president. Um, last night on Christian TV, Pastor Joseph Prince discussed taking communion. Who is listening to this Joe Prince guy? Okay. He said that we should take communion on a daily basis at our homes or how many times you want to using what other elements we want to. He also said that there will be healings for you if you do this and gave specific examples of people being healed this way. Your comments, please. Yeah. Stop no. watching rubbish. Uh, no. I, I object and I disagree with Joseph Prince. Can, can we give him a... <clears throat> yeah, I, don't, I, I took that little audio file off. <laughs> the, the, you didn't give oh, him... Oh, this one here. Yeah, dude. There you go. That's you, a big. You, that's a big negatory. You are the weakest link. Yes, you're done. Finished. Uh, yeah. No, that doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't go nowhere. Yeah. With us. Pastor um, Joe Mama. No, that is we, not going to happen. We happen to believe that communion. Uh, yes, I do think that you can partake of communion in a small group, led, you know, by a oh, layman. Yeah. Layman, shall we say, oh, yeah. someone who doesn't need to be a an ordained priest or pastor doesn't have to be the one that leads or officiates, but I would have an issue with, with that. I would say you can take communion if you want to on a daily basis, but I, I wouldn't say should. I mean, I know some pastors um, who, within our own little tribe, if yeah. you will, who are very strong on the view that communion, the Lord's Supper, should only be administered by a pastor. The sacraments. And I, I totally understand that yeah. and the argument for it. I actually, I totally get it. Um, I maybe wouldn't go that far, um, but I do think that it should be taken in a very right manner. And this idea that um, there will be healings for you if you do this, connecting some sort of healing. I know where he's getting this from. Out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about those who take it in an unworthy yeah, manner. You know, this yeah. is why many of you have sick and fallen asleep. But I, I think he's a little bit off and maybe a lot off on well, this I one. Wholeheartedly disagree about the part with the healings and all. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. That's just bad theology. Read the whole thing. No. Right. So, yeah. And 
Um, I do think familiarity can bring breed contempt mm. when it comes to communion. So yeah. it needs to be done. I'm not saying sober, somberly. somberly. I wouldn't say somberly, but I say soberly. Yeah, because there were some people in Corinth getting drunk. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't up. good. Oh, that's another kind of soberly. But yeah, yeah. I take communion. Come on, Corinthians. I take communion seriously. Man. Snap out of it, Corinthians. Yeah. Well, you know they're busy sitting there in their rich Corinthian leather couches. Mm. Do you know that Ricardo Montalban made that up? I don't even know what that is. So there was. I don't know who a, Ricardo Montalban is. He was an actor. How old do you think I am? And he was kind of like the most interesting man in the world type character. Mm. And he had this Spanish from Spain kind of accent. Really? And so he was talking about the Chrysler Gordoba. Okay. And he's like trying to be, you know, all culturally Mr. Interesting Man in the World type guy. Uh-huh. And he, he's, he's touting the, this is an ugly Dodge. Okay. This Chrysler Cordoba. And he goes to this one line and he goes, it's got rich Corinthian leather. And there's literally no such thing as Corinthian leather. He totally pulled that out of his ear. Really? Yeah. Should I fact check you? Absolutely. Go for it. You can probably find the Chrysler Cordoba commercial. Let's see here. The, the, <laughs> here you go. Uh, you were wrong on the car, though. What? 1978 Chrysler New Yorker. Well, he did the Cordoba, too. Corinthian leather, leather is a term coined by the advertising agency Basel to describe the upholstery used in a certain Chrysler luxury vehicles. I'm having a hard time reading my... Yeah, item. I saw the interview. The term first appeared in advertising in 1974, although this is merely a marketing concept. It suggests that the term, not the product, was inspired from the more elaborate and impressive ancient Greek column oh boy. of the Corinthian order. All right. Mm. Um, while the term was first used during the marketing campaign for 1974, Imperial La Baron, it is usually associated with the marketing campaign beginning in 1975 with the Cordoba. There, there you go. go. And the company or the campaign. I'm right. It just takes a while for people Ricardo to figure it out. Montablan. Rich Corinthian. This is leather. all coming from Wikipedia. Yeah. My yeah. kid got chastised the other day for citing and using Wikipedia in one of his presentations at school really yeah his teacher did not like that he used wikipedia he's in fifth grade and he says to me where else am i supposed to find this information so that's a good question son that's a good question <clears throat> yeah encyclopedia britannica they don't even have encyclopedias in i know they don't it's crazy i know they're gone he goes they're i googled gone. it I, like, I, well good job son good job yeah well i mean like do the, has your son ever been in a library they have a library at school. Yeah. He loves the library. That kid reads like crazy. No, I understand that. But I mean, I mean, I, don't you think the library is going to go? I'm not saying it's good to get rid of libraries, but I'm just saying like, don't you think those are going to go away one day? I don't know. You know, my, uh, we, we got our kids Kindles for Christmas. Yes. And uh, they've been borrowing books from the library on Kindle, which is awesome. So we just get them right there at home. Wow. Reading like crazy. Okay, uh, so... Uh, yeah, we're on we? from Rich Corinthian Lever. Uh, number eight, number eight. Pastor Miles mentioned the crown mm, of life. The crown of life. Will all believers get one, or is there certain criteria in suffering one has to meet 
Well, interesting Being that you enough, asked that. I would think, interesting yeah. that you asked that question. The way you formulate that question, Paul says, and um, Paul James says in James chapter one verse twelve, "Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him." So, God has promised the crown of life to those who love him. So, if you love Jesus, I guess you're getting a crown of life. Groovy. A lot of people see the crown of life as eternal life. Some people think it is an actual physical crown in heaven. Like casting crowns? Kind of, because there is some some pictures in Revelation about casting our crowns down. There spiritual is the crown of righteousness. There is the crown of Spiritual frisbee, I call it. Yeah. 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 So, casting crowns. if you love Jesus, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I that ain't Jesus. no lie. How about you? Um, if you love now Jesus I want to do the wave, trust it's just in me. Jesus. It's We're doing very, the very wave, harvest wave miles. Wait, 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 Qualcomm Stadium. Yeah. yeah. We love Jesus. Yes, we place? do. It wasn't always called Jesus. Qualcomm. How about you? What was it called? Jack before? Murphy Jack Stadium. Murphy. That's what I was looking for. The Murph. The Murph. The Murph. Yeah. I remember that. 1991. I, I was there. The Harvest Crusade? I was there. The very first, I was at the very first one. Greg Laurie had like a hair. He had, well, he had a mullet. That's true, Hamule. But there wasn't much business in the front. No, it was, it was all like party balding, in the back. Balding in the front, party in the yeah. back. Yeah, it was a distressing haircut. I bet you he uh, feels a little bad about that. Haircut. He looked like Hulk Hogan back in those days. He dressed like Hulk Hogan. Didn't everybody dress like Hulk Hogan no, back then? He had the Hulk Hogan pants and everything. Mm. Number nine. Okay. Last one. I hope, I'm sure Greg isn't listening. I hope he is. That'd be great. Somebody get Greg to listen. Okay. Um... I will, I've been worrying about money lately so much that mm. it's impacting my relationship with Ooh, God. That's not good. And I am constantly worrying about all the other cares of the world. If Matthew 13, 12 talks about the cares of the world, choked out the work of God's word in, our, in the lives of some, am I in danger of losing my security and salvation? Well, I think they've already lost their security, but... In another they're, way. they're losing their peace. Yes, that's yeah. what I mean. So I got something to say when you're done saying. Well, I don't know. The first thing that comes to my mind is the passage from Paul, again, Philippians chapter 4. He says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, he gives this long list. He says, think on these things. So my encouragement to whoever this person is, is that you are not at rest. You're not experiencing the peace of God. You are worrying and anxious about many things. And I would encourage you to do what Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 says. And spend a little bit of time just in prayer with the Lord, meditating upon Him and those things that are good and lovely, and uh, see if um, Paul's promise there is not true. Test it. See if the Lord starts to give you the peace of God that surpasses understanding, that you will have rest. Because Jesus said in Matthew 11, um, 28, right around there, that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And um, He wants us to have rest. So... We should enter into that rest. Right now, what are some of the things you've seen that um, contribute to a worrisome outlook on life over the years? And people. Well, I mean, I get it when this person says that they're worrying about money. When you got bills coming and there's not a lot of money to pay for those bills, that's stressful. That can be a very frightening and stressful mm-hmm. thing. 
And, um, and there are steps you can take. And I, you know, I've taught a finance class a couple times here and, and I think it's very, very helpful and important when people start to work at their finances, putting a budget together and trying to live within their means and pay off debt. Um, there's a lot of freedom and the Bible even talks about this sort of stuff, a lot of freedom from that, that worry that comes with it. So I get it when people are worried about their job or they're worried about their kids or they're worrying about, um, you know, money, bills, there's so many different things to worry about. Some of the things that people worry about, and I know we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. are things it's like, you're doing it to yourself. It's like, you're spending three hours a day listening to the news, cable news, Fox News or MSNBC or whatever it may be, and you're all stressed out about everything in the world and falling apart, coronaviruses and, you know, Democrats and Republicans and impeachments and debates and all this sort of stuff and all tied up and worried about it. It's like, well, you know what? If you shut that off for 30 days, I bet you you'd be a little less stressed. Right. But you know what? I don't know that anybody has ever taken me up on the challenge. I've talked to literally dozens of people. I think said, we should do it as a church. We should do maybe. it for Lent. Let's fast for Lent. We could be like Fat Tuesday, yeah. Ash Wednesday. I think we, did we pass it already? We're coming up if we haven't. 40 days from Good Friday, right? So that'd um, be kind of cool. Yeah, maybe we, maybe we should challenge the church to that. But it's kind of like, you know, and we talked about this, that 2020, I really sensed like it was going to be a year of chaos. And boy, are we seeing it. Yeah. Got all kinds of chaotic things going on. It's only going to get worse with all the election stuff. I think people need to shut some of this stuff off and de-stressify. Yeah. I, there, I, I'd say one of the things that, you know, I talked about a little bit earlier, but, you know, when we're engaged in something that's wrong, mm -hmm. we worry. We get downcast. We have mm -hmm. this, as the Bible says, a fearful expectation of the Lord. I believe it's in Hebrews talks about people who, um, this is a little bit different, but I understand uh, what you're saying. But it's an overall. If it, there, yeah, this yeah. Obviously, that's talking about... Uh, the only thing you have to look forward to if you don't accept right, the Yes, and we're talking about a, a eternally. But still, when we have that, we're looking over our shoulder because we know we're doing the wrong thing, uh, that causes us to worry. It does. I think putting too much value in safety, mm. your conditions... I mean, I'm from a very... Uh, affluent neighborhood, and I watched a lot of people moving in and out of multi-million-dollar homes all the time because their lives changed. Uh, they made poor decisions, uh, or things just came that were out of their control. Um, there's no safety in money, per se, just in money. Uh, it's something you can use. Uh, it's a good idea to exercise wisdom with our finances, but there's no. That if your safety, if your dependence is in how much money you have in the bank, let me tell you, that, that can go away. Uh, so the only real safety, it's not, you know, chariots and horses and weapons. There's no safety in those things. We can't trust in those things. So a an obedient, close walk with the Lord, um, that's something you can trust in. And know that sometimes circumstances happen. I mean, I know right now, of maybe uh, I think one of the most solid Christians there are I, I've met in a, in a long time has a wonderful testimony just two days ago uh, she perished of cancer suddenly mm. had done a ton for the kingdom was a very active uh, 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 person in uh, child division uh, child evangelism fellowship our good news club uh, was a real just just a saint saint and she died of cancer and um, 
she's with Jesus. So there's our safety, being with Jesus. Um, we've seen too many young people perish. We've seen uh, th- all these things. If that's freaking you out, your hope and your trust is in the wrong thing. So um, you can, I don't think you can ever have enough money to completely safeguard you for everything if finances are freaking you out. So there is nothing like an obedient walk with the Lord. Indeed. 10.5, which is like 10.4, but even more. Well, we have come to the end of our questions for the day. Feelings. Oh, you, you remember. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Feelings. Got some you nice vibrato going I like that. Man, that was a cheesy 70s song. Most of them were. Teardrops rolling down on my face. Any um, last-minute things we need to throw out there? I think that's it. Um, I don't know. What are we going to tell our people? It's up to you, man. They can come up and tell us they are not afraid. Not afraid. Not afraid of nothing because you got Jesus. And that's no lie. We'll see you on Sunday. Keep the questions coming. Peace out.